Welcome to Whiskey Fit, where we believe every bottle of whiskey has a story to tell. Three guys, one bottle, endless bonding. Here are your hosts, Ryan, Evan, and JJ. Welcome back to Whiskey Fit. We have episode number eight. Uh, it's hard to believe that we've already gotten eight of these bad boys in. We are still in the guest season. We brought you another guest. We are all about honesty on this podcast and full disclosure. This is going to be our most unique podcast. Uh, we'll explain why here in a second, but we do have a trio of hosts as normal. <laughs> the unique New York you just heard. Who is that? That's me. That's Ryan. I'm here. Ryan is on one right now. And to my right, I'm here, JJ. But more importantly, our eighth guest is Austin Richeson. Can you say hello, Austin? Hello. Austin is going to be full of energy. It's going to be different than what you just heard. Uh, but why this podcast is going to be a little bit different is Austin is sober uh, and has been sober for how long? Can you tell us? Um, so, and I would uh, be careful saying sober too, because um, I alcohol is kind of not my my, my biggest thing, but I've been free from addiction for, it'll be seven years now. So very nice. So some of you out there, including my wife are going, how are you having a whiskey podcast with sober people? Because we like to talk to interesting people and we like to interview them. So it's the whole purpose of this whole damn podcast is to have it, conversations about life. Well, that, and also it's called whiskey fits. So we did bring you a whiskey. So on the side, uh, JJ, uh, Ryan and I are going to have ourselves a whiskey. What are you holding over there, Ryan? Double cask, black bottle, blended scotch whiskey. Okay. It's one I've never heard of. Uh, we had to get it in Ireland because it, it's a it, product of it, it's Ireland, Scotland. Scotland. Okay. So it, yep. It's Scottish. Uh, and it came directly from there. Something that is not available in the United States. One of our previous guests, Miss Adrian, brought this for us and left it. And uh, so now we're gonna get to sample it and tell you all about it. So we're gonna enjoy Unless that. You go to Scotland and never be able to get it. <laughs> True. Go to Scotland in May, I think. We're gonna enjoy it, but while it's being opened, it is a screw top. I can see down there, but it is a 750 milliliter bottle. Is it? Yes. Now still, guys. Austin. <laughs> Uh, more about you. So many unique things about this podcast. You and I spoke off air before we started. You weren't going to be able to do the 60 second. Tell you about your, tell me about yourself, which I think is fantastic. Cause you said you were raised in so many areas, uh, by so many people. If yeah. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it's um, not linear. So I guess let's start with if you had to identify, the most influential area or most influential person during your upbringing? Could you identify that? Um, yeah, it would, it would probably, wow. It'd probably honestly be either my aunt and uncle, um, who were, when I went to go be with them, uh, kind of in the early teenage years, that was in Allen where you, where you grew up. Um, well, my grandfather who was up in Wisconsin. So those were kind of my, um, safe places that I would go uh, away from the mom and dad when things were not going well with them. And, um, yeah, I went to, um, Allen for like the first time it really got involved in school was Allen freshman year at Lowry center. Um, spent two years trying to do the school thing and just couldn't like, didn't like it. I just did not like, I don't know, a little distracted, I think with stuff going on. So school didn't work out for me. High school didn't was not my best years or my best uh, memories. So did you, I mean, when, when I guess in my life, when you hear about those things, did you end up going to a military school or did you just end up saying, I'm not finishing completely and I'm going to go into something else? <laughs> yeah, or? honestly, dude, like I, I just remember teachers telling me in the back of the class to sit up and asking like, Mr. Richard, are you going to, you're going to be awake for us today? And it was just kind of like, no, like I'm not. And I didn't care. Like if you put me in after I wasn't going to detention, I wasn't reporting ISS. If I had ISS that day, I just wasn't going to school. What's ISS? Uh, it was in school suspension. So it, there was like literally nobody that could tell me what to do at this point in my life. Sure. And it was, um, it's like, I look back and I'm like, I, I can't really identify with that. Like I still have issues with certain um, situations, but I can't really identify with like the fact of just like not wanting to take any direction. Contrary to what you probably feel as my, one of my coaches, um, it, at this point it was like I didn't want – I just didn't want to be told what to do. And sure. So, um, and it was more anger. But I was super distracted like with mom. Uh, my, my mom and dad were both addicts. Um, my dad was sober. 
when um, I was growing up, he still like if I talk, we have a good relationship now. But if I talk to him, he'll apologize for like the first couple years of my life. He'll be like, man, I'm so sorry I wasn't there because um, he got saved um, when I went away. Mom has um, still struggling with the sobriety. She's done that my whole life. And I think for me in school, uh, it was I was always worried about my mom. Like I was constantly sick and um, like just kind of freaked out and worried about like if she was okay when she was not around. Because she'd go missing for like a year or two at a time. Um, legitimately just I'd hear conversations with relatives being like, we don't know if she's alive, where she's at. Um, so that was that was hard growing up. I saw a meme the other day that said, you, you have no idea the childhood trauma it took to get this funny. <laughs> and I'm like, I literally can identify with them. So... Yeah. So, I mean, clearly there was probably some bouncing around, but I guess what region or area were mom and dad and you at one point in your life early? A uh, lot of East Dallas, a um, lot of Dallas. So okay. that's, that's mainly where um, I, I was born in Dallas at the old Parkland Hospital, um, spent a lot of my life in Dallas, like uh, Southeast Dallas, um, spent a short period of time with my dad in Glen Rose, Texas. Um when my mom actually, we got in a drunk driving accident um, while I was in the car with her. So waited in the police off police station. Um, I actually remember that really vividly because we made like a little, um, one of the female officers made like a little uh, ocean and a bottle with me. Yeah. And I can, I kept that for like the next year or two hmm. um, What after they arrested my mom. And my dad, who I'd never really met or anything, he came and picked me up. And so that I'm living with like this hippie looking dude with a mullet <laughs> and like a like handlebar mustache and... Um, He's dad and he's living with a roommate and it was just, it was why it was such a big change. And so I, I stayed with him for a few years. Um, my dad, like I'll send this to him and he'll, he'll listen to it and be proud. But my dad really struggled with like the abuse, like, um, like some kids got spankings and stuff. My dad had this thing, like he just like hit, he just liked to hit. Um, and I think as I was a boy, he probably like didn't hold back on me. And I know that happened to him growing up. Um, but you know, I could just be sitting there. And like, be kind of like a smart ass, like I am sometimes. And yeah. instead of like hearing from your dad or something, it was just like, all of a sudden you just feel this pressure in your face and you're hit and then you're just covering yourself up. So that was, that was wild. And he, that's something he, it bothers him to this day. I know he knows he didn't do the best job growing up. Um, but so when I left him, it was actually a specific day. We got into a fight and he really wanted to beat me up. And at this point, I think I was 12 and I was like, uh, you're not beat. You're not going to beat me up. I'm today. I'm going to kick your ass. And um, it was like this moment of like finally standing up for myself. And because he realized I was going to do that, he actually called the police on me and said that I was threatening him. Um, and I love you, Dad. I'm not mad at you. We both know what happened that day. Um, <laughs> and um, and so they actually, my aunt and uncle came and got me because they weren't the police weren't going to take me. I told them what happened. Uh, my aunt and uncle came and got me. I went to Allen and. Um, they were, they were a great family. My two little cousins were there, moved in with them. Um, and I'll, I'll say, I love them. They did really, they tried really hard to like create, to start over with me. There were so many things that were already trained in me, like so many, um, behaviors and stuff that were trained in me that just like the next few years were crazy. Um, ended up dropping out of high school, um, moved back in with my mom while she was still using because it was just easier to live with someone that had no rules. Um, dealt with that. Um, we lived in Garland for a little bit. I actually tried to go back to high school um, for a short period of time at Saxe High School when we lived in Garland. And in this time, I actually had to go to the school and talk to the principal. And I was like, listen, I really want to try again. Like I messed up. I was distracted. I, I want to do better. I like really want to have good grades and make something of myself. They felt for me. They like brought me into this school, tried to help me. And like, I think it was not even a year later, my mom relapsed again so hard and so intensely went missing for like a week and stole my car. It was my first car. I was 16. Um, and I couldn't get to school. And I was working as a lifeguard at Hawaiian Falls and trying to continue to pay this rent um, at 16 and not tell our landlords that my mom's gone. And then it finally all just came down and I didn't get to school anymore. So I dropped out of school again, just gave up. Didn't want to explain to everybody. I was super embarrassed. Um, and it was just kind of like lots of blurs from there, honestly. Lots of um, just trying to make it. Um, homeless for a little while, sleeping in a truck, like an old beat up 1990 
one Ford F-150 with an American flag on it I bought from some farmer for $1,500. Um, no AC, it was, uh, no heat. Uh, slept in that through the winter. Um, just wild. Just really wild looking back now because I have such a different life with my wife and my kids and yeah. um, with you guys. It's it's. But it's, I look back, I'm like, man, that was... I hope my, my kids will never go through that. And I hope I don't know anyone with kids that have to go through that, you know? So pretty crazy. I know we're going to explore. We're going to dive deeper into this whole thing or whatever, but like to move forward some before we go back again, how do you, like, what do you credit? Cause I've only known you for the last, how long has it been now? Year? It'll be year two and a half, years in right? September. Okay. So nearly two years. And, and, you're one of the like most upfront, honest type of people in a very positive way that I've really ever met. And and there's nothing that you shy away from to have conversations with or, or whether it's history or whatever it is that you'll talk about. So, so what do you credit being like, you've come so far from where you are and we haven't even gotten all the way into everything yet but you've come so far from where you were. Like, what do you credit that type of, at like your attitude is one of the most positive, refreshing, beautiful attitudes that anybody can be around. Um, yeah. Thanks. Wow. I, I don't really know. I do know, you know, when we dive into some of the other stuff, I, knew, I know some of the places that I've been made me saw like in life, you kind of have to have a worldview. Um, you don't get to like, you have to decide like, how am I going to see the world? Like, how am I going to see other people? So for a long time, I was seeing the world as like this place where I'm a victim and I was out of control and everything happened to me. And my, instead of like, um, I would react instead of like processing and responding to things like appropriately, I would just react, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, hurting myself or hurting others or something like that, or, 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 you know, squandering opportunities that maybe other people would give me. Um, just kind of subscribe to a new worldview after some of the things I went through that like life is not happening to me. It's happening for me. I can fix a lot of this, especially as I got older and I had more um, opportunity to work. Um, and, you know, uh, my honestly, my wife, Blair, like she's freaking holds me down. Um uh, in a good way. She, yeah, in a good way. Um, JJ said it on a previous episode that, you know, you, you out bat your coverage. I'll kick them in coverage. Listen, that is me. If you, if everyone has seen my wife and they've seen me, Blair is uh, smoking and I don't know how she picked me. Um, she, it was just tattoos and long hair at the time. Amen. Um, we, and we met on Bumble. So, <laughs> and at uh, least it wasn't Grinder. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's July, okay. So that's <laughs> yes. There's there's a Ted Lasso is the joke there's, there. There's so, yes, yeah. It's it's okay. so great. I'm being super good. Yeah, right now. No, don't. So great. Um, quick twenty as we are rolling through. Ryan, what do you got? Um, because we are going to give you a little bit about the black bottle. Uh, what what do you got down yeah, there, Ryan? Um, Completely going to disappoint you with this. You yeah. were excited because you thought this was yeah, Irish. Yeah, yeah. Irish, it's, it's, it's not. It's total scotch. This, it's this, not. Is, a, this is scotch. Uh, before I read the bottle, the first mail told me that it was scotch. Same thing. <laughs> That's and, not uh, even close to the same thing. No, no, no. Like same. I had the same reaction. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, got so, it. So that's the first part is now that we know that it's a scotch. Uh, Smell-wise, nose-wise, I haven't tasted it yet. But it's, it's, I mean, it doesn't seem to be very smoky on the nose. So it's, it's so tasty smoky. It's out. got some peat. It does go have for a little it. in there. Yeah. Uh, I am, and we talked about this a little bit off air about another bottle that we were looking at. I've never been a fan of uh, sherry finish cast bottles of literally anything. I've not had a good one ever. So I haven't tasted it yet. And that's why I'm still waiting. If I can just suck it up, buttercup, and drink the goddamn whiskey. So to be honest, it's, I don't think it's terrible. It's um, not. It's, it's not now, since we started this podcast now a couple of years ago, um, I've actually started to enjoy scotch <gasps> a little bit more. Uh, now, it has to be the right scotches. I cannot go full-blown peat, no. like full-blown smoke. Uh, oh, man. Just a resounding no and head shake down there by, by Ryan. Uh, but I've got some sweetness. I've got some... Um, very small smoke. JJ, what do you got? Um, smoky, a little bit uh, like more peat than I actually like, but not it's smoky. 
Um, it's a little syrupy. Um, I think that's why possibly I, I somewhat still enjoy it because it's got some flavor to it before the smoke hits. I don't mind the peat in the smoke. In fact, I usually enjoy that. The problem is when it's peat and smoke on top of this sweet ass syrup. syrupy cherry flavoring. It's so it's, you weren't a you weren't a fan of like vanilla cigars and like grape no, cigars. That's and exactly things? what I was just gonna say is literally this this is like taking a shot of cough syrup cough syrup with a burnt up cigarette. In well, well, so that's actually a thing of dipping your that, cigars into cough syrup, and it actually ends up in hallucination. I've never done it. We had to get a kid out of a ditch. Uh, when I was still coaching because he was doing that. And he was also dipping his cigars in embalming fluid. So, but that's a real thing. Like that happens. Wow. That's people what, you missing that. out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's dumb. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to drink. <laughs> so, so no, like the one thing, like why I'm he going, may like it actually. Sober. <laughs> inter- yeah. <laughs> Interesting enough. Why he may like it is the cigar side of it. Cause like with the cigar, yeah. I could actually, you know what? That'll blunt some yeah. of the, everything. We've had that conversation before though, is that, a, a smoky scotch with a cigar, is it better or worse? That was the – he brought the, what's the one started with the L that you brought Bogle, last season? Yeah. No, I didn't bring it. Whatever it was. That was the one I had. Or Lafroig. I can't remember. I don't – I didn't bring either one of those. All right. We have get, stand either one of those fucking – We have digressed. Like we have digressed. But I don't like cigars either, though. I do have a question somewhat piggybacking off of what Ryan said, Austin. We already discussed – Clearly, we know you came from a really tough, and you've explained it, childhood. And your mom ends up getting in even more trouble. You end up trying to make things work. Um, it's not working. High school is not working for you. Um, research or whatever says that we don't cognitively develop until 26 years old. You're, I'm going to assume, like 18 at this point. What is going through your head? I you're living in a you're living in a living hell. You hate education. You don't have a support system. It doesn't sound like you probably have a lot of a ton of friends. What's going on in your 18-year-old head? Um yeah, man, I it's like one of those things where I almost feel like I it's hard to say. A lot of it really was self-pity, and I think I had heard People for so long, counselors, teachers, relatives, like literally just, I mean, telling me, man, you like, you have been dealt the worst hand. Like, like, like I got a lot of pity from people and it's a really, it's a really bad thing um, when you hear that for so long from the time you're a little kid till you're 18 years old, because you start to believe it. Sure. And nobody ever was like, really like. I had a few people growing up in like youth groups and like um, friends, parents that were more positive. And, but I feel like I never heard that like you can, you still can do something. This is not going to be forever. I just was always hearing that we're so sorry about your mom. I mean, I heard that every, I think that's the point where it was embarrassing because she'd come in and then leave. I, I remember at one point literally just telling my friends my mom passed away because it was so much easier to deal with her just never coming back in my mind than explaining like my mom decided to go use drugs again and like, just leave me. So um, for me, it was just hearing that forever made it at, I guess at 18, you know, I was still believing that, that I was given a rough hand and um, my life was terrible and it was always going to be like that. And um, man, I I really bought into that. It was um, probably 19 or 20 actually, I was I was homeless um, here in Dallas. I was actually a, a assistant general manager at a Max Muscle in Plano um, when that was at, a, at a what a Max Muscle. It Dude. was a supplement store. Okay, I, I, not to throw you off track. That, yeah, it's the first time I've heard Max Muscle in like twelve years. No, it's a, it's an old timer. And, and there was a big one in Virginia, Northern Virginia, where we lived. And Alyssa and I were like founding members four, of that shit. Four signatures away. From spending like three hundred thousand dollars on a franchise and opening one of these motherfuckers, yeah. that that's the first time I've heard that in like twelve or fifteen years. Yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. No, it's cool. I, it's yeah. it's funny because um, no one hears about those anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the same idea. Very expensive supplements. All their, pro- all their products were their own. Oh, and they were all they were all like uh, they were very good. They were very good stuff, and they were all like substance 
banned and all, they were all it was everything was fda stuff. approved yeah, too yeah, yeah. like on anyways it, it was a good company it was it, and i said you know i i Sorry. got really involved with that company and actually they didn't even know it at the time and um i was sleeping in the store when i could like when it closed down and i was like eating protein bars and i didn't get vegetables because i don't have anywhere so i'm just drinking greens two or three times a day and like um and i was uh and I finally was one day I called my grandpa, he was in Wisconsin. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, can I come live with you? So I drove up to Wisconsin and I lived up there for a little bit. And it was actually a period of my life where it was really peaceful because I just we lived on a lake. So I just fished and swam. We're out up there because Chippewa Falls, Eau Claire. That's right. Okay. Yeah, we, we've yeah, talked yeah, about we this talked about before. that. I remember we talked about it. I just didn't remember exactly what yeah. okay. So just uh, fishing and I didn't I didn't have a job at the time I wasn't super motivated to like take care of myself because at 20 I still was being taken care of like I was at homeless right so I needed very little and then when I would go be with family they were so like oh we'll take care of you and so I was really like a baby like in my mind I was really immature and like didn't um, have any type of real responsibilities in life except for just survive. So I didn't have any structure or anything. Um, so I was up there for a little bit, um, came back down here, and I actually don't really remember what I did. I lived at a, um, a ranch in Rockwall called Throwaway Ponies with our family doctor named Dr. Bander. Um, and great family and I helped them with their horses and then I worked as an AGM at a um, LA Fitness in Richardson and moved to the one off Spring Creek in 75 and I was at that gym for a while I was like their top salesperson for forever um, and then I just I know specifically this is a crazy story specifically what happened is I had a relative who was dating somebody and I didn't know this guy was a big drug dealer in Dallas um, he was indicted and did like eight years for conspiracy I go down to um, I go down to South Padre Island after I have this defibrillator put in. I'm sure you guys asked question after I had this put in, and I'm just like, <laughs> at this point, I'm just mad, and I'm like, you know what? I give up. Like now, now nothing's going right in my life. So I go down there with this dude that's you know um, he's already been died, so I can say he brought a ton of ecstasy. So he's just selling ecstasy to all of South Padre Island. And I just, and this is the first time I ever used drugs too. First time I ever was like, how did okay. you get the defibrillator then? Oh man, here's, okay, let's pause. Cause I always we'll thought go. that was drug related for you. Okay. I apologize for making this that is, assumption there. This is the truth, this everybody. Is, and you didn't know this either. This right? is the I truth of what happened. And it's one of those things that I'm like, why did I do this to myself? I um I have always had like this issue with like not wanting to be here ever since I was little like where I'm just like I just don't want to be on this planet anymore. This is what is this for me? This is not even this isn't worth it. I'd rather just go be in heaven, you know, because I've always believed I, I just I'll just go be in heaven. This is that'd be so much easier than this. So one day I'm driving um back from LA Fitness in Richardson and I'm driving down um, George Bush passing Firewheel Mall and I don't know what overcame me but i was just like i'm done and i'm driving a 2001 dodge ram extended bed uh, like a, a truck a friend of mine gave me because i had no car and i had nowhere to live and he gave me this truck to live in i just ran off the road going down like 85 90 on george bush no seat belts or anything i just running off the road into the wall under the bridge and um i didn't die and i was awake the whole time didn't even get knocked out so i get in this gnarly accident now all of a sudden i'm like well i am not gone now like people are starting to pull over so i fall down <laughs> i fall down in the bed right the truck is basically ripped apart and i'm just laying there and i'm just like okay what do we do now like what do we do now um they come they pull me out they're talking to me i'm basically like pretending to be asleep like because i'm at this point i'm so terrified they're gonna lock me up or i was more worried about being in trouble than I was about the fact that like, Hey, I just try to like end it all. And like, I need to talk to somebody. I need to acknowledge this. Um, and anyways, they take me to the hospital, um, Baylor regional Garland. They're asking me all kinds of questions. They're doing blood work to make sure I'm not on drugs or anything. I, I, I let them know, you know, I just told them, I was like, I just felt like I was having a panic attack or I got lightheaded. Like I totally lied, JJ. I was like scared to death. Um, they end up doing an ECG on me, um, which is like a different type of EKG, I guess. And they saw something that they described as an anomaly in, a, um, uh, in my rhythm, my electrical signals. They called it Brugada syndrome. 
Um, and if you look up Brugada syndrome, it's mostly found in like young Filipino men. I don't have Brugada syndrome, but I'm like, okay, sure, you found the culprit. I can get out of here now. No, they have to put a defibrillator in me now because they're like, well, we can't let you leave. It could happen again. The best thing we can do and is is you know put a defibrillator in your chest. So if this ever happens again, if they has an abnormality in your rhythm, it'll shock you and be you'll be normal again. Sure, okay, doctor, you know best. Like whatever fixes me. And the whole time for like four weeks, I'm in the hospital and I'm just dying. Every day I'm in regret. I'm just like, but I'm not going to tell them. Like, I'm just like, in my mind, I'm just like, uh -uh, we are taking this one to the grave. I go through the whole surgery, the whole recovery. Um, after the surgery, it gets infected. I have to go back. I mean, it was a wild ride of just like, because I, I made a mistake of one in my life. And it didn't happen. And now there's a punishment that at 31 years old, I'm going to be 32. I still am dealing with this. This is still here. I'm going to like a little <laughs> keep going. I'm sorry. No, I'm it's go. just like I, it, it blows on. So when I do things like cleans, um, just a bars and stuff, I get a constant like reminder of like, oh, it's right there. Um, and so it kind of sucks. I would like to eventually have it taken out. That is something I, I'm, it's just more of like going to a doctor and explaining, like, I know what you guys say you saw. Here's the reality of the situation. I want this out of my body. And that's a, that's a big thing to like for me and my family to go and do. And I, I'm just too busy right now trying to get fit. There's, um, it's going to be a, that's going to be a deep day of reckoning. Yeah, that type it of is. I think, I, like, I think it's a cathartic thing for you eventually, but my, yeah. my, my soapbox, my soapbox. And I apologize. We're I'm three whiskeys, four whiskeys, whatever the hell I'm in. Oh, with this, it's June was. We're just coming out of June when we're recording this. Is Men's Mental Health Month. So, like this, it's also Pride Month, and it's not talking about any of that stuff. But let's 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 have that conversation. Is that shit needs to be talked about, and you need to have those conversations, and we need to have those conversations around all of that stuff. Because the simple fact is, like, a lot of people, a lot of men just have to fucking soldier on and do their shit. Yeah. So, and that's Abs what you were doing at that point, yeah. in my opinion. That's yeah. what I heard, anyway. A absolutely. Um, I've, I've had it like this year. I've had, this has been one of the hardest years for me, even since, you know, getting out of prison and, like, being in prison. It's one of the hardest years for me, like, emotionally. And I don't even know, I don't, frankly didn't even know why. There was, there was... A few times I would talk to like, I talked to Chris or, um, you know, I, one night I, I've talked yeah. to you before. One night I almost texted you um, and I was just like, dude, I'm losing. Like, I'm losing this fight. Like, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I can do this. And just like looking at that text and just being like, and frankly, the fear of sending that text and being like, hey, I'm fucked up. I need help. Yeah. Like something's not right in my head. And you're just like, you know what? Just select all delete. And you're like, just, just be tough. Just fucking deal with it. Um, and, you know, sometimes... You just, it's not even about you. Like sometimes you just really would rather not be here, but like you have people relying on you. Um, I don't know what Blair would do without me just to be totally clear. I don't know what my kids would do without me. So sometimes like part of being a man is like talk about it, but you do talk about it and soldier on. Like we almost have to do both. Absolutely. So it's, um, that, but yeah. So like there was times like 2013, 14 frame was rough for me just it was a bad business time. It was a bad lifetime. It was a bad relationship time. And there were times that, that exactly the same thing you talked about, like just, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to pull the car off and like driving over uh, the one to one twenty one on the things like, fuck it. I'm gonna see if I can make ramp the car off and just fucking end Those it. Those are bad intrusive thoughts to have. They were very so, bad. The only thing that kept me here was my daughter was Lily. So that those types of ideas, the only thing that kept me from doing that type of shit is like, fuck, I can't do that. Yeah. So it's a, the continual loop. And it's not like these conversations need to be had between yeah. all of us. And, and it's, it's relatively a sausage fest, except the, uh, you know, infant at the table that's female. Yeah. And it's, um, and it can get, it can get worse too. You know, eventually you stop thinking about your kid. It gets so bad. You, you'll just stop thinking about like the kids that count on you and you'll yeah. just be like, they're better off without me. And so if you don't talk about it, yeah, if you don't talk about it, if you don't send that text and deal with that hard conversation the next day, or you don't like, hey, reach out to a friend or like, you know, blow, call them on the phone. I'm that frow call people. Um, I 
True. I won't answer it. I just I'm gonna hate call you now just for that. I, I won't I'm answer. Gonna FaceTime I fucking him. hate. I, I like that. That one actually, a FaceTime I might answer. Yeah. Like a phone call, I'm not gonna fucking answer. Once in that shit straight to voicemail. I'm. I'm then that, I'm not gonna pay attention to it for like three I'm years. I'm that friend, but it, it's easier to get on the phone and be like, "Hey, man, like, just need to talk. Just I don't even know why. Um, I don't do that a lot, but I'm I'm encouraging that to everybody at the gym. Like, if you are if you were going through that and just in life in general. Um, kind of sometimes call Austin. He's your therapist. The, please, yeah, please do. I'd much rather you talk to me. Um, like this conversation is exactly like what I. Th- it's truly what I meant by like when we started this whole podcast and started talking about just your openness and willingness to talk about these things is because yeah. we, ha- you and I have had those conversations this year over the past five or six months Some and really good ones, yeah, yeah, and just you know different transgressions in my life and things that I've messed up that. I've been able to open up and have those, you know, honest conversations with, and it's, I mean, every, almost everybody knows as far as going through counseling and stuff like that, which is something I've done more of over the past year, literally individually to, to talk to this third party person. Uh, we all have those friends that, that we should be able to have those same type of conversations with. And that's the, that's the stuff that JJ, that you're kind of talking about that is, it's just truly so important. And it's hard. I, I, we were talking the other day. I was telling Alyssa just a few weeks ago, like we were in our summer schedule and all these things were going on. And like, she's busy. Like her ass is working like 14 hours a day. And so, you know, I'm to the gym and I'm home and I'm kid here and I'm kid there. Then I'm back to the gym. Then I'm back home and I'm kid, And I'm just it's overwhelmed. And, and after like two weeks of this, I sat her down. It was one of the hardest things in 15 years. I had to have a conversation with her being married. I was like, look, I... Like, I need some fucking help. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, there's no way I can continue to run like this all summer and not burn out by the end of summer and be in a bad way somehow in a bad attitude or whatever it may yeah. be. And she was like, okay, well, just tell me, what do you need me to do? And then we hashed it all out and we made lists on chalkboards and we brought the kids in and all these different things. And it's, but it's having willingness to, I mean, I'm 43 and I'm barely willing to have those type of conversations yeah. literally with my wife, who's supposed to be my partner in crime and my best friend. Yeah. And sometimes I can't even, even have that conversation hard. with her. Yeah. It's super hard. Yeah. Like, cause, cause I will soldier on, I will just do whatever needs to be done. Yeah. But then on the flip side, it's super hard to ask for help. Yeah. It's fucking impossible. Yeah. So it, Anyway. And the wives too. Like I've had talks with Blair where like honestly, um before I joined with North Frisco CrossFit, I was I was just just to be totally transparent, I was using performance enhancing drugs to try to get bigger. I was working out in the gym, uh just to put size on. I wasn't strong. I was just trying to look strong. I just want I just would see Chris Bumstead on freaking and oh, yeah. and on Instagram, I was like, I want to look like that, but I want to do it in a year. And so <laughs> I'm just doing by any means. Well, and, and this stuff was messing my head up. Like this stuff was making me um, just, it was like redoing stuff in my brain and bringing up old feelings, like old feelings of like Blair dealt with me, like some really rage filled years of just hating myself. I was really, really obese. Um, I got really big. Um, I got really depressed and I'd be like crying, like something's wrong with me. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Something's like not right in my brain. And I really feel like a freak. I felt like there's no one else that can feel like this out there. There's no one else that feels this messed up from this stuff. And so, um, I would literally just be crying. She'd be like, what do we need? I was like, I don't know, babe, but I'm, I'm scared. Like I'm scared of me and I don't want to keep like exploding because this is not me. I love you. I don't want to explode. I don't want to be that dad that like can't controls anger. I remember one time, this is the craziest, one of the craziest stories ever. I am literally pooping. I'm literally pooping in my Which we all know through Instagram, you do a lot I'm of. a big fan of I'm being really honest t- and I'm open tired of about pooping. Like, I'm tired of the underwear pictures. So, I love you. The ones with all the holes in it. There's a yeah. mute button, JJ. If you don't like them, hit it. Um, but I want to see the other things you post. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the bathroom. I don't know what happened. Me and, me and Blair, I feel like in a minute we got to go way back in time to like like years back. But um, me and Blair met, married each other after two months. We're living with each other in just a few months Blair is OCD clean organized. Um, I joke with her and tell her she's got tism because she's so <laughs> methodical with her cleanliness and her organization. And she I'm on the kids. opposite end of the spectrum with like, this is re- this is how my desk looks, except it's it's Fairlife bottles. This desk that we're looking at right now, it's Fairlife bottles. You can go look at mine back there. Meat containers. Similar. That's yeah. nicer. 
Um, that I clean for you all. So we are like, we're button heads. One day I'm just going to the bathroom, doing my thing, looking on Instagram, you know what we do. Um, probably nothing's even happening, but, um, she comes and she literally says something to me about a mess. And I, I remember this. I'll always remember this one event with her. Cause I'm so ashamed. <clears throat> I literally stood up. My pants are at my ankles and I grabbed the table, the only little table I had in there. And I slammed it on the ground and I got in her face. And that is one of those things where, like, I think about those outbursts that I had with her, and I wasn't even mad at her. I was just miserable. Like, something was going on with me, and I took it out on my wife. Um, And she's been with me through, like, frankly, like a year or two of that. And then one day, I remember I'm, I looked up CrossFit, and I was watching CrossFit games, and I was like, why don't these guys just go faster? Like, why are they slowing down? <laughs> Let me get in. Let me get in there. I'm against you. And so, <laughs> yeah. so I literally, I messaged Ryan. I looked up CrossFit gyms. You guys were actually right down the street. And I, um, and you messaged, messaged me back right away and I came and tried it. Evan was my first coach. It was a Saturday. I showed up and we talked. <laughs> he told me, you stayed. Damn he it. told me he did performance cor- co- uh, course with Gino. I remember doing a performance course with Gino and it was, I thought it was awesome. I didn't ever get to do another one. Um, I didn't think about and that. And so I, I stayed and it was really fun. Um, and, but I'll be honest, I didn't really stay for the fitness stuff. I stayed for you guys. Some of my best friends in my, in my life I've ever had, the people I feel closest with and I can be most open with, like I don't feel like I have to hide anything from you guys, has been from this gym. I really, the, the programming, I mean, we don't have to do Murph for six months. I don't mind that if was we don't ever do horrible. that again. That was terrible. Both of you assholes. On the record that was fucking is that. bad. That was just um, The programming bad. could be better, but it's really the people. Um, just kidding, Evan. I love he's over there stroking his mustache. It's weird. Um, <laughs> if you program Murph tomorrow, I'm fucking killing him. Everybody's loving this episode. Um, but honestly, I am the healthiest I've ever been in my life, but also I have I have more friends that I've ever had in my life, like genuine relationships with people where I can I can hop on Facetime, I can call if I'm struggling with something, I can I can walk in the gym and people know when I'm not on. They're like, "Are you okay?" And I'm just like, "No, I'm not. I'm messed up today. I'm gonna go. I don't want to do a partner workout. I'm just gonna work out alone." And they're like, "Okay," and they'll talk to me afterwards. Um, when I got out of prison, I didn't have any friends. I was very lonely. Do, and, and I don't, I don't. I think we should go back to that. Well, no, no, no is a completely acceptable answer to that because that's the second time you mentioned it. Do you want to mention the prison yeah. stuff? Well, we, need so to, we need to go back to Padre, right? Let's let's go back to that. Okay, so I got yeah. involved with them yeah. doing that, doing selling drugs, and I, man, I saw it was so exciting. It really was. I remember. Um, his, I'm not gonna say his name because I don't want to put him out there like that. Even though I already got yeah, yeah, don't do it. Um, he had two white pills in his hand. They're little capsules. Look like vitamin capsules. I took them. That night, I I felt like self esteem, and it's so messed up. It was it was Molly. Um, it was a synthetic version of Molly called uh, Methalone, it, BKMDMA, um, and they would order it from China, and it would come over in the USPS. And that's when I got turned on to getting drugs shipped over from China to the United States in the mail, and then um, redistributing them. And <laughs> and. <laughs> That's a, that's a, that is the most PC way to my friends. If they wanted them, I was yeah, not just, making uh, any yeah, money yeah, for yeah, the record. Don't, no, just, um, anyways, yeah. and so you didn't do it through the mail. I you, went, I went downhill. Might have to edit that part I went downhill from there. Um, honestly, it was, I, I started using cocaine that I didn't even notice cocaine the first time that I tried it. Um, I didn't feel it. And so I was like, well, let's do more. Um, so like, since I didn't feel it the first time I did it, I tried it several other times and those times progressed. And eventually it was like, wow, this is my new favorite thing. Um, I used that for from 2012 to 2014. In 2014, I went, I stopped sniffing cocaine. I started shooting it. Um, and I still have, I saw this today and this is so messed up, but I was in church and I, I looked down and I saw the scars on my arms from it. And I showed Blair. It's a like, great time to see it. I was like, church. I was, the light shines and I was just like, I've never noticed that, that I actually had scars there from it. Um, and I showed Blair and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, that's always going to be there. And, um, and it's actually crazy because I knew I was coming to do this podcast and I was like, dang, I'm going to show them that. Um, so it, and my life really spun out of control when I started shooting cocaine because it now went from, uh, you can only do so much to you can do as much as you want. Cause once you do, once you snort a certain amount of cocaine, you, your nose can only last for so long and you're going to fall asleep eventually shooting cocaine. I just would, I would start finding, and I hope this isn't a trigger to other people with, um, these types of issues like intravenous drug use. Um, this is a, probably a very adult podcast. Um, Most, but, all of ours get the, in the, the adult thing. But, 
I got to the point where I, the veins were collapsing and I got to the point where I was just feeling for a pulse in my neck and I would just use like a 19 gauge needle and just stick it in my neck and shoot cocaine. And that's, Jesus. and I, it would be, Sorry. it would be so bad that I would literally hit record on my phone every time I was going to inject and I would say a goodbye to my family and I'd say, I'm so sorry. I'm so messed up. And I would be talking, ugh. I would be talking to Aisley, like my oldest daughter and I'd be telling her bye. And it sucked because I was like, man, this is, this is, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to be okay. And, uh, ah, stupid. And, uh, don't, no, it's not. Shut the fuck up. And, uh, it's okay. <laughs> and, Jesus. Uh, and I really feel like a failure because I had already had my daughter, right? She was, um, and I loved her, but it, the drug use was getting so bad. It was getting so bad. And I was no longer selling drugs for anything other than to use them. Um, and it got to the point where I was robbing people um, either violently or through just like like tricking them. Um, and I was doing anything I could at this point to just feed my addiction. And then um started using Xanax. So I would black out and do robberies and stuff I wouldn't remember. Well, um, I took a bunch of Xanax one week. Um, in It was in June. Um, so, and I did two bank robberies. And they are, um, they weren't worth the amount of time that I spent away from my family. Um, so it was a, um, it was a bank that I bank at. Um, and I just can't even tell you by the pictures that they showed me in the motion of discovery that the, uh, United States government showed me. I can't really tell you what I was thinking. Didn't hide my face. Didn't hide anything. I wore a blue hoodie, um, with a hat and that was it. I didn't even, I didn't hide anything. I drove my car, um, and 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 frankly, I just look back and I'm I'm more bothered by the fact that I know it was two girls that were at the counter. Um, I know that was probably a little freaky. Um, I ended up I ended up getting so my total time was eight years. I ended, I got out under four years total. I had a five year state sentence and I had a three year federal sentence. Um, I originally thought I was going to do a lot more time. Um, and I got, I got blessed at court. I had a judge named Judge Lindsay who I explained the story to and I explained my addiction. Um, and I got sentenced seven months after I got arrested. And I explained like uh, how embarrassed I was because at this point, like I'm, I'm coherent and I'm like aware. I'm like, man, like, what have I been doing for the last couple of years? I'd never been sober for seven years for like, or for seven months for years. I hadn't been sober that long. Couldn't do it. Um, and so all of a sudden I'm looking back on everything I did and I had all these regrets. I'm sitting in a cell with, you know, eight other guys. Some of them don't even know English. They're important meth across the, the border. And so they're getting arrested and sent to Kaufman County holding. And we're just sitting all there. And uh, it's a very lonely time. Um, kept getting in fights, um, with Tongo Blast members and Pisces getting sense of the whole only thing you could read in there is a Bible and I'm just writing these long letters to my family just full of regret and all the things I did and drawing pictures to try to get to Aisley um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me was 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 the day the FBI arrested me um, they got me two months after those and it was it was crazy because the night before the FBI arrested me, I was I was shooting cocaine and I literally had fallen on the floor. It was a, uh, and I just was overwhelmed with like grief. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like, this is not it. And so I, I literally prayed and I cried out loud. And I was like, God, if you can hear me and you if you know me and you are all knowing God, you need to you need to search every little bit of me right now. I was like, if there's anything worth saving, if I have any kind of purpose on this planet other than just being a scumbag. Like you have to either take this addiction from me. Like you have to take it. I don't, I can't do, I'm not going to do rehab. I, I knew I was and I tried before. Um, well, you need to just let me die tonight. Like I need to just die and just let me go. Like don't let my daughter spend the rest of her life like, you know, with a bum dad. And the next morning the FBI came and got me. And that day, I've been sober since that day. Well, free from addiction because I've had an old-fashioned Christmas party last year. Um, but I have not had those desires to use any drugs or uh, get high or do cocaine. Like, I don't have those same things. And it's like he really answered me. He took it from me. And I had people that were in prison. It they, they was offered to you. It's in there. Like, when you're in prison, there are drugs. There's alcohol. There's needles. There's everything. I just didn't want it anymore. I was just like, I'm done. So he is, he is absolutely looking over me. That's the, that's the divine side of that addiction. Like for you anyway, yeah. like 
like like whiskey's been passed around all day today, but like you have not even asked, don't want. Yeah, I and I, I could taste it. It does nothing. It does nothing for me. I also, if I were to like at the Christmas party, I had an old fashioned with the partners, and the minute I, you know, right before I gave my little you know thing to the company, um, I remember before being like, I need to set this down before I talk because I'm feeling like a little hoe. Like I know why people drink most of the time. I and, feel like a hoe most of the time. Um, yeah, sorry. And I can have fun without it now too. I like being in total control. If my wife and kids need me in a in a flash, or if any of my friends need me in a minute to be like, hey, come get our kid, come get our kids. We got something going on. I want to be able to be that guy that everyone can rely on at t- like twenty four seven. Like that is what I want now. So. Went to federal prison, went up to um, uh, Allenwood USP. I went to a maximum security prison. So the yeah. first time I ever- That's getting, God's country, Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. yeah, White Deer, Pennsylvania. Yeah, boy. If you know where that's at. Um, beautiful, from what I could see. Yeah. Um, beautiful mountains beyond the gates. And it was um, it was a wild experience. I got there, started getting affiliated. Um, uh, what does that mean? Re- uh, affiliated. So when, you, when you're waiting for- to go to prison, you hear all these stories about um, you're going to have to be in a gang. You're going to have to be, um, especially when you know you're going to maximum security. Um, for me, I kind of always pushed against that. I was like, Psh, I'm not. And they're like, listen, everyone says that. Everyone's talking about how, no, they're not. You you will have to roll with somebody when you get there, though. And, and I'm talking about this to this day. You will roll with some kind of, it's called a car. Um so I got there, and unfortunately, the prison I went to, there are not very many white um, groups. There are a couple of cars um, from where either where you're from or gang affiliations. Up there, they had the AC, which is or the um, SAC, which is say it's called Saving Aryan Culture, which is they yeah they subscribe to the uh, very white nationalist idea. They have um, ARM, which is Aryan Resistance Movement, and then they have the Aryan Brotherhood of Texas. Um, and frankly, I, unfortunately, I was put in a dorm with uh, mostly Aryan Brotherhood, and it was it was a guy named uh, Richard, um, and he's the Lone Star Bandit. Um, he's he'll be spending probably most of the rest of his life in prison, and he was the captain of the Aryan Brotherhood up there. And he was from my area. So when I got up there, it was like Orion. Like he had the charm and charisma of Orion, right? And he was a leader on the yard. So people, he'd tell someone to do something, they'd do it. You naturally, I don't know, naturally certain people pull together. He was a leader. I considered myself wanting to be a leader in some kind of way. And he was also what you would consider just like a suburban dad. Like just, he didn't look like a gang member. So um, when I got there, I started that process of just being affiliated, not under the idea of like um, the same mindset that they have on racial stuff. Cause I, I didn't care about any of that stuff. I was, it was more like I was told who I'm going to roll with and I had to pick the lesser of all the evils. And they were, they seemed to me like the less, the least white trash up there. Um, it was about a year and a half into my stay up there that I one day just realized, like, I'm, I'm not into this at all. Like, I don't want to do any of this. Um, I actually had a talk with him, and I told him, uh, I don't, I don't want to hang out with you guys anymore. Like, I just want to hang out with my church. Um, I started doing the, the youth music up there. Not the youth music, the worship music up there. Um, and it was kind of a weird look. for They were all Odinists, and it was kind of a weird look because I was a Christian. And they didn't like that. They wanted me to go out to what's called the Grove and do like the Hail Odin and they do smoke. And it's called a, a, a bloat or a blot, which is an Odin culture thing. Um, and I wanted to go to church on Sundays. And everyone that was in the church was black. They were my black brothers and sisters. I was in the band. Everyone in the band was black. Um, and they were my, really, they were my best friends at the yard. And so that didn't go well. You don't eat, you don't drink, you don't hang out, you don't mix in prison. It's not like rules that you set. It's like the 1940s up there um, in almost every prison. And so um, one day I just told Richard, I was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore, man. I'm not, I can't. Like, I can't do it. And I told him, too, I was like, if you guys want to, like, you know, smash out a guy, a good guy that doesn't do drugs, I don't run up bills, I've never caused y'all problems. If you want to do that, that's fine. And um, I remember specifically like going out in the yard one day thinking that this is the day they're all going to stab me up and they're going to like mess me up. Um, and uh, I was it was the middle of summer and I was wearing a winter coat in Pennsylvania. We got these big green winter coats and I'm like, well, I'll wear this winter coat out there. So if they start stabbing me, 
Um, at least the knives, because I know what kind of knives they all had, at least the knives will get caught up a little bit in the coat and I can wrap them up and protect myself somewhat. If I go out there just a t-shirt or my khakis, they're just going to, they're going to hurt me bad. Um, and where I was walking was right under one of the biggest sniper rifles on the tower. So I'm thinking too, like, at least like I got back up. Like if something happens, they're going to throw the grenades out and start shooting. Um, so I go out there and the ABTs are all doing their burpees and I'm walking behind them. ABT? Pacing, Aryan Brotherhood of Texas. Okay. I'm walking behind him with a jacket on and I got one earphone in and I'm listening to like death metal or something like getting amped. Like if we have to do this, we have to do this. And I got one ear out and there was a, another guy there named Cowboy. Cowboy. I, I was like Cowboy. He left where they were working out and he came and walked up to me and he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I feel like you guys are going to do something to me because I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to be with you all anymore. And I was like, and it's no disrespect. I just, it doesn't fit for what I want to do. I got a little girl out there. Like I'm a, I'm a Christian. Like I don't believe in this stuff. And I was like, and I'm, I'm leaving soon. You know, where I was at, everyone had life. Life or 50 plus. So like yeah. I, was, I was called a short timer. Um, so I just told him, I was like, I want to do something different. I want to get out there and be normal. Um, and I remember him being like, I'm going to, he specifically was like, I'm going to try to smooth this over for you. He's like, I don't want anything to happen to you, dude. And from that day forward, I just was not allowed to sit with them at their table in the cafeteria anymore. Um, some of them really looked down on me. Some of them understood um, it was really wild that I got away with this because I saw guys not get away with way less. And I, for some reason, I really do. It's another one of those divine things. I feel like I had something looking over me because um, I spent a lot of time praying like, this is not what I want. I don't want this. This is not my worldview anymore. I don't believe in any of this. Um, and so then I got out and um, no joke, I started working at a club in Dallas. Um, we're going to a club. We're going to an oyster bar in Deep Ellum. I was just doing this and that with, you know, just getting out. I'm on probation and I'm on parole, both at the same time. Um, and I met Blair on Bumble. Um, I remember, yeah, I remember she's, I thought she was the hottest. I still do, but the hottest thing I'd ever seen. And I was like, yes. And I just move on. And in Bumble, you know, if most of y'all don't, you're all married. On Bumble, I, the girl I have absolutely you no clue what that means. Right. It's a, it's a dating app. It's a young dating app. On Bumble, the girl messages you first. It keeps guys from just blowing up girls. So the girl has to actually be interested in you. So Blair messaged me on Saturday. I was like, what are you doing today? And I or like, what's going on with you on this fine Saturday or something like that? And I was like, we're in. <laughs> and we talked from there. And no joke, dude, we talked every single day. Blair would text me at 630 in the morning on our way to work. And I would joke, I joke with her about this today. She's like, yeah, I don't want anyone else to start talking to you and like steal you away. And um, it was crazy because Blair's so freaking amazing like she's so what i wanted i always wanted a hot brunette girl some kind of foreign she's not fully foreign okay her mom is mexican and that counts in a way <laughs> some of the family is but that's what i always wanted growing up and so i was like this is this, and i got her dude and so now we have um nora we had a baby nora right um and she's gonna be three in a week i've got a stepdaughter harlow and then my other daughter aisley who i'm constantly working on that relationship with because that's still a mess. how old is she now um, Aisley, yeah. Aisley turned nine in March. Um, so when I was gone, she thought another guy was her dad. And so her mom actually had um, her calling another guy, one of her boyfriend's dad. And then one day he just, I showed back up and he bailed. And frankly, I think he broke my daughter's heart. And it, and it's my fault, right? It's my own fault. It's something I have to live with. But the, all of a sudden she goes from calling this one guy dad and dada to all of a sudden, she's calling me Austin, and now I'm having to teach her, hey, I'm not Austin, I'm your dad. And I had a talk with her maybe like six, seven, eight, nine months ago, something like that. And I was like, you know, Aisley, like, you seem very standoffish with me when we've been doing this for a while now. Like, are you okay? Like, you know I love you, right? Like, you know, like, no matter what, like, how you feel about me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm never going to leave you again. And she goes, I know, it's just, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're my dad. And that was, you know, that was in the car we're driving and I was just like, man, that's heavy. And I asked her one time too, I said, Aisley, if, if I could go back and you could redo your life, what would you do differently? What would you want differently as far as your family goes? And she goes, um, she goes, I wish you never went away and you and my mom were still together. And that was a, that was another one of those big kicks. Cause it's like, man, as a dad, I failed. Like I failed my first kid miserably. And it's not fixed yet. It's one of those things where I'm still fixing it. It's not a, just a one day, everything's better. It's, it's going to be potentially for the rest of her life that I'm going to be saying I'm sorry and fixing this and showing. So that is, that is probably the, one of the biggest impacts that the whole drug abuse and like leaving had on my life was just my daughter. 
And um, and it's still something her and just the people I've hurt and the things I've done is like something still like to, you know, this week I've been sitting there like thinking like, man, like I ruined my life. Like I, I messed my life up and it makes me very sad. I have a lot of regret. Um, when I first joined the gym, I would post a lot of stories and stuff explaining my emotions that it's something I still deal with and I'm still working through with like friends and stuff like that. But it's, I have a lot of regrets. Um, I, I want to appreciate what you said, but I don't, dude, if, if you hadn't been through what you'd done, we would have never had this conversation, No, you know? So it's like, it sucks. And I got nothing like it, it's, it's fucked. It's a fucked story. And, but it's not a fucked story. No, know, it's not. I know I, I haven't mean, said like, anything no, in the last no, no, 20 no, no, minutes. No. Like it's, it's, it's like the, the, the beauty of it. It's not a fuck. You're right. I'm sorry. Let me finish. Let me rephrase. He, like I heard so much like what you went through and then that first part, but yet dude, you, f- you're on the rebound. You're fixing this shit. Like, like stuff has changed and you're shifted and going in the right direction. So, but, and like, that's fucking dude. I don't it's know. definitely a different. It is different now. My life is very beautiful now. Like my wife and kids, my career. Um, again, literally, I would not have any friends except for my wife's friends' husbands, because <laughs> um, we all have those. We're like, um, I would not have the support system that I have now if it wasn't for you guys. You know, um, some of my best friends in my life now are from this gym, um, and I, I probably could have found them another way, but I didn't. And it's a, been a really big important thing for me to have friends that like know when I'm struggling and know when I'm messed up because it's still I'm I'm not healed I'm not like this not everything is perfect you know I'm just not using drugs and I'm not resorting to drugs and I'm not resorting to violence or like taking advantage of people anymore there's the same pains are still there like I still am dealing with wounds right it's just like how i'm approaching that rehab to these things that hurt me now um sometimes i overwork out sometimes that's my addiction is i overwork out you might see me at the gym two or three times a day and just be like what is the point hey i'm not using cocaine today like i'm (laughs) i know this doesn't make any sense i'm ripping my hands up and my hamstrings hurt I need to be here. And, you know, I'm trying, working really hard on like changing, at least changing up the stimulus and not like, you know, doing the same thing twice in one day. So I'm trying to do that. But um, it is, it is my, it is my place brain. I like to be. You know, I recently dealt with the food. It turned from cocaine to food addiction where I love sweets to a, a point where I binge. I still want to see that video. We're going to put it together. Like I you've already got the one. Do that. I keep telling you I'm going to do that, but I just want um, the cut, man. It, but, and it's, I think it's the best, I think it's a cathartic thing for you. And then soon, I think it'd be great. I think soon, it'd be awesome. It'll be a, it'll be a ad Jack Black that. video. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Jack Black, but, but really like, thank you guys for, um, just for like the gym. Like that's kind of the biggest thing is just the gym. Like even the ups and downs that the gym has in the community and the mistakes that we all make. Cause, and none of us are perfect. Right. And we all make mistakes and we screw up like, and, um, you know, Do Murph 72 times in six weeks, things like that. And we forgive each other and we move on as a community. Cause I'm going to mess up. I have messed up. Um, and like, for neither real, one of them fucking grinned for that one. They're not, they're not, they they're, not they're not, they're not, they're pissy. Why is he there again? Same. Yeah. <laughs> they're both pissy with that one. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it's just a good place to be. Um, it's been, it, I'm not going to go spend money on counseling. I'll talk to you guys. I'll text my, my friends. Um, I'll go work out a couple times a day. <laughs> Maybe you should talk to some counseling too. And just as that, cause there might be some just, benefit there. We all can, uh, we all just have that. Father Drew, the face. That's time. entertaining. We'll talk to Chris. We'll see. We'll I get it. But just, I'm, I'm throwing that out there. Counseling is not necessarily a bad thing when it's done properly. I know a couple doctors. I got you. I've got Christina. Um, it's fine. I just drink whiskey. That's all I do. I'm not a counselor. Well, I haven't, yeah. I haven't said much this entire podcast because there's not much to say. Um, first of all, I think we can all say thank you. But before we do that, uh, we're going to wrap this thing. We're going to do two of these in a row. And I am going to make Ryan talk because he is my best friend. And I and I make him be in uncomfortable situations just like he makes me be in uncomfortable situations. You had the – I don't even know what it's called now. What was the whiskey called, Ryan? The uh, double cask black bottle. Blended Double cast whiskey. black bottle. Yeah. 
We're going to put this together of neat, and, or excuse me, not neat, but uh, on the rocks, and you're talking to a homeless man. What do you say about the whiskey? Uh, you got 45 seconds. Go. Don't have it. Uh, I, I would trade it, barter for a different type of whiskey, even if it's in a plastic bottle that's one gallon with a screw-off lid is might be uh, more enjoyable than this one. I, I just wasn't a fan of it. Like, like I said, and I don't want to completely slam it, although I just did. Um, I just, the sherry cask thing, I have a hard time with, period. I've always had a hard time with that. And being on top of this scotch with the peat, with the smoke in there, it's it's just a, a double negative whammy for me. So I like, I'm, I'm unfortunately a relative scotch purist. Like give me small smoke and a good scotch and I fucking love it. And that didn't hit any of those bills. So not my favorite. I, I, I would drink it. And I would smile at you if you poured it for me and say, yeah, it's great, but that's about fucking it. A homeless person would love that. You give that to a homeless person, they're like, hell yeah. Pretty much. Austin's not wrong, homeless person. Uh, I would drink it as a nightcap. I would keep it neat, would not put it on ice. It is more sweet, has peat in it. Uh, So if you are not into all of those flavors punching you in the face at once, definitely don't do it. If you're a purist, don't do it. Uh, But if you are somebody that's not a huge fan of scotch and wants a little bit of flavor with it, Probably a good one, so that would be mine on it. Austin, uh, man, people can't see it on the on because we're not on video. He's sitting here waving to. Uh, I'm holding my three month old daughter, which has made this. Um, it's made this entertaining, but it's also made this podcast incredibly she powerful. Dude, she's happy. Look at her. She's super happy, but uh, I don't think we can thank you enough uh, for this podcast. Um, I think we're all in safe space to say that the feeling is reciprocated on you being a part of the, uh, gym. Uh, that may not be expressed, especially on myself very much, uh, because I'm not one of those people, but, um, our gym would not be the way that they were. Our lives would not be the way that they were without you in them. Uh, and our podcast would not be the way that it is without you on it. So, Thank you so much for being a part of it. And to add to add to the the the, the, the niceties coming from Evan over there, dude. I fucking love you. It's it's entertaining, and I like fucking with you all the time. It's it's just it's fun. Like the the first images I have of you in the gym when you had the long curly hair, and it was like the animal from the Muppets on the drums <laughs> when he would hit the fucking mic. Yeah, that's that's all I have, I and can, I can never get that out of my that's brain. Why I cut my hair was specifically. And, and <laughs> told but, me that once, and I was like, Blair, I'm cutting my hair. But, I, I, I fucking love it, and that's every time you get on the bike, I still see all of that. Yeah, and it's it's entertaining. And thank you for being you. And thank honestly, the yeah. thank you for opening up the side of the conversation that you did today. Yeah, I was not sure how it was going. I was a little nervous. Like in church, I was just like, don't say too much. And then I literally was like. Literally, Ryan does not want you to not say too much. Like, just be honest. And I know there's other people in our gym that are dealing with yeah. addiction issues or um, like like just problems in their marriage and stuff like that. And it's like, I think it's just like constantly being grateful for where you're at because there's that, that what everyone says is 10 years ago, you wanted to be where you're at now. And you start forgetting that. Like I, some days I forget where I was, you know, when I was in that yard and I forget. And when I, when I do forget for that moment, I'm unhappy. I'm dissatisfied. And when I remember, and I remember what I was asking for, and then I have it now, I have you guys and I have my wife and my, my kids. I'm like, I, it could never get better than this. And I'd be happy. I'd be grateful. And it's like, this is the best. This is, this is, no one told me I was going to have this when I was a kid. Like if I would have known I was going to have you guys and my wife and my kids, I wouldn't have worried about anything. I'd have been like, I just got to hang on. I just got to like press on and get through it. And it's just been life changing. Uh, I'll, I'll end it the same way and take us out. Uh, kind of same way I started with, uh, you know, obviously appreciation and admiration for you. Uh, you did this to me so good sure job. you're gonna be able to end it yeah yeah, yeah i got it but uh not, not, i appreciate that and like i said the the honesty uh the openness the the willingness to you know talk to me as well dang i've never seen you cry before no <laughs> <laughs> how wait a minute how have you never seen him cry? i've never seen him cry before but what it's, it's good and and like you know and like you said you know people at the gym have they got things going on everybody does and people listen to this so I'm sure they can appreciate this because everybody feels, you know, this way at some point. And if 
And if they haven't, they may, you know? So uh, I just, you know, thank you for all that. And, yeah. and to be like totally corporate, which is totally, you know, something we don't normally do is there, there is suicide and crisis oh, lifeline yeah, 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 that yeah, I looked yeah, yeah. up. Absolutely. Because uh, I thought that was a pretty good thing. That's that, not corporate, that I've seen dude. Fuck that shit. That you guys have talked about. But 988, uh, phone call or text message, 988, that's the crisis and, and suicide helpline. And, uh, you know, that's you might not, not have some cool it. people that or at your gym or drink whiskey with you, but somebody there at 988 will talk to you. So Yeah, and I guarantee anyone at this table would too. Hell yeah, I'm, absolutely. I know, I absolutely know, yeah. you know, we would, so. Yeah. All 17 of our yeah. listeners. Yeah, I love That's you guys. Right. Thanks yeah. for, I love thanks you too, for brother. this. This is cool. Yeah, thank you, man. All right, appreciate get it. out of here. Yeah, have a good night. Bye now.